So that was kind of like a breaking point for me in my life. And I promised myself that I was going to do something bigger. That year, I ended up finishing the year at 750000 in revenue. Jordan Welch has tried practically every way to make money online until eventually he struck it big, and today his business brings in over $300,000 a month at 25 years old. So tune in to hear his incredible life story, the worst and the most profitable side hustles that you can start right now, and the best ways that you can start earning a lot more money. On this episode of... Hit the like button and subscribe if you haven't done that already. It helps out tremendously. And now with that said... Let's get to the podcast. Welcome back to the Ice Coffee Hour. My name is Jordan Welch. And so far, this podcast has made $386,000. Wow. wow. Very close. So it's That's been a, incredible. It's been a while since yeah. we've done this. Where are we at? I didn't even know. So Neither for the last I. three years, because we started, I think, in, in May of 2020, made $400,772.50. Wow. So that was incredibly yeah. close because we haven't said this number in a while yeah. in the podcast. So good well, job. you know... That's what I do. I know AdSense a little bit. Thank you so much for coming on the Ice Coffee Hour. This means a lot. You just mentioned, I had no idea, yeah. you came to Las Vegas for the show. Yeah, absolutely. This is one of my favorite shows. I watch a lot of the episodes. And this is like a weird like fourth wall break moment. And I'm looking yeah. at you guys and I'm at the table. So we're That's here. That's cool. Yeah. Thank you, you know man. What's funny? A lot. I yeah. think Jordan and I have a picture together like five years ago, maybe even six years ago. Yeah, we at met the Santa long... Monica At the Santa Monica Pier. You're a, kidding. No. Did you see ago, him? Yeah. Did he see you? Who so, recognized who here? No, no, it wasn't through that. It was through uh, Vincent, right? Yeah, one of my yeah. best friends, Vince, um, he hosted like a dinner and Graham was there. And at the time, how many subscribers did you have? Do you remember? Uh, maybe like 200K, 300K. Wow. I don't think it was much. Yeah, so I was definitely one much, of those subscribers. Yeah. And I you know, was really excited to meet Graham and we hung out and you treated me with nothing but respect, man, like That's for cool. real. And we ended up meeting up a couple more times in the future. You came to the mastermind that me and Vince hosted mm -hmm. um, over in Los Feliz. And since then, you've always been like a mentor and a good friend to me. So that's cool. Yeah, man. I'm glad I wasn't an asshole. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine I was just like, who are you? <laughs> nah, you were cool, man. So yeah. Before we get into it, I wanted to give you a gift, actually. Oh, gosh. You know, it's nothing crazy, right? But um, I know you are a lover of music and a lover music. of coffee. So yesterday, I saw this and I said, Graham has to have this. What is this? You're always good with the gifts. I've noticed in a lot of your videos, do gifts. I don't oh even know my you, uh, god! I don't know if you'll like it, but oh, that is cool. Oh. That is really cool, dude. That is awesome. That is awesome. Yes, hey, and thank you, man. I think you'll be proud because it's a very affordable gift. You know, man, I man, I appreciate that. You know, so yeah, thanks. Very man. thoughtful. Got you, man. I really Got like you. that. Thank you so much. Ice coffee hour, we had to do it, so. What a gracious guest. Sorry, Jack, I, I got nothing for Don't, you. No, just you being here is by far enough. All right. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, just to come on the ice coffee hour, you've done some fantastic things, okay, over the past couple of years. We're excited to talk about it. Mm -hmm. You had a business that you sold, and now you're blowing up on YouTube, talking with a bunch of billionaires and, like, uber successful people, asking about what sets them apart from the average person. Yeah, I would say so. That's kind of my path. That I've the past seen. so far. Yeah. Plan to deviate? Well, right now I'm really focused on YouTube and I'm having a lot of fun with it. I get to travel, I get to make videos, I get to meet cool people, and I'm making okay money doing it as well. I also have a software business called Viral Vault. It's like a product research software. So that's like my two focuses right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when did the entrepreneurial spirit start in you? Was, that a, was it at a young age? Have you always had this? No, I don't think it started like at a super, super young age. Growing up, I didn't know any entrepreneurs. My mom grew up by just me and her. Like my dad, he wasn't really around. So my mom worked a job, worked hard, waking up six in the morning, taking me to school, getting us ready, 
coming back home 6 p.m cooking dinner just to make like 18 five a year you know mm -hmm. and that's what i saw and that's what i saw as hard work and when i was around i would say like eight years old we had put our house into foreclosure so this house that we had worked all these years to get into we lost the house and i remember seeing the pain in my mom's heart and my sister and everybody and i actually had to leave my mom at that time i had to go move to a completely different city to live with my stepdad and i think it was around that time in my life that like i knew like i didn't want to work a job like i wanted to like do something different in the world because I saw that if I work a job, that's what I'm gonna get. You know, if I work so hard, that's what I'm gonna get. So I think that's where it started when I was like ten. What nine was she years doing old. for eighteen five? It's like a front, front desk, like admin, like sure. you know, just the the hard work. You know, answering the phone, yeah. setting appointments, like an assistant. You know, gosh, yeah. What year was that that you lost the house to foreclosure? Was that during like the the housing crisis? It was around that time. I couldn't tell you the exact year because I was so young. Yeah. But again, I was around like eight or nine years old. So I was I was young and the memories are super blurry from back then. But I just remember being so sad the day that I had to leave my mom. Like, I, 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 yeah, I was like crying the whole car ride to my stepdad's house. So I think, you know, that pain, like you guys all have pain, right? I feel like that kind of like ignites something inside of some, a kid to want to go on and be successful. You it know? can do that or it can do the exact opposite yeah. where it just like makes you resent the world and you're right. like, okay, like I want to lash back and then go down the other route. So props to you for using that as like a silver lining and like using that as a driving force for the positive. Yeah. I mean, after that, I kind of went on this whole path of like, how can I make money without getting a job? Right. So I started seeing all these kids on YouTube that were making money. So I said, okay, let me get this camera that my stepdad has and just film some little videos with me and my friends, not trying to make money out of it, just trying to do something different. And we just start posting a bunch of videos all throughout middle school. I was doing basketball videos and comedy skits and any video idea you could think of, I tried to create it, you know? Um, and then I went to high school and I started a clothing brand. I just learned how to do Photoshop and I would design these little t-shirts and, and go to a local screen printer and try to sell them to my friends. I tried to make money through video editing. I mean, man, any like hustle you could think of, in my young years, I tried a lot of them. What made the most money from that? Like, what was the most successful? I would say the way I made my first thousand dollars back then, which I yeah. thought was a million, was from reselling sneakers. Really? So I made pretty good money back then. I would camp out for shoes. I would get the new releases. I would flip them. And then I would go on Facebook groups and I would find shoes that people were selling for a bargain, order them, take nicer photos and sell them for a profit. The game has changed it a lot. It's not something yeah. I would do today, but that's how I made my first thousand. I even made a monopoly in my uh, city, actually, in the sneaker market. How do you do that? I created a Facebook group specifically for buying and selling and trading shoes. And because I created the group, I kind of positioned myself oh, as like the, the sneaker plug. So I <laughs> basically was getting shoes from other people and then I would post them on my group and I would sell them for a pretty good profit. And um, I used that money to actually host a conference, like a sneaker trading convention. And that's kind of like my roots in business. Like when I was young, I, like 16, 14, 15, those are the things that I was doing to get my feet wet into this game. But nothing made me more money than my friends that were working at Wendy's and and the grocery store, you know, sure. I was still broke. I was still broker than all those guys So yeah. what is camping outside of a, a sneaker thing as a young kid look like? Uh, just me, just me and my yeah. friend like just sitting out there laughing hanging out meeting other people It actually wasn't bad like I so you had the dates that the shoes would be released uh, And then what time would the store open usually it would open like in the morning um, so we would stay there, like show up super like late in the middle of the night and then be the first ones to go through the door. I only did this a couple of times, though. The way that I really made the money was from having the group. Right. Because then I could buy shoes from anywhere and right. then I could flip yeah. them. What would you, you know? look for in shoes? Like, how do you know what's going to resell at a higher price? 
Uh, just like how I am with YouTube now and any business I've ever been to, I just became obsessed with it, you know, just yeah. like how you are with real estate. Like after a certain point in time, you know what shoes people want. You know when something has room for you to improve on it, maybe some better photos. But yeah, I never made a bunch of money with shoes. That was just how I got started, sure. you know. And then what did you do with that thousand dollars? Yeah, so that's what I used to host the sneaker convention. And this was like my big break as an entrepreneur. So at 16 years old, I took this money and I rented out the largest convention center in my hometown of Fort Myers, Florida. And this is a gigantic place. I went there with my mom and they didn't even think I was serious when I said I wanted to rent it out. But she was like, no, he he's really wants to do it. Um, so we rented it out. I promoted this thing everywhere. Flyers on my Facebook group. On school, I would put stickers everywhere. I got in trouble for that. And we had a couple hundred people show up that day. I remember I pulled up that morning. There was like a line outside the no door. Way. A couple hundred? Yeah, we had like Pretty 250 bad. people there. And it was all paid. Like everybody paid for their tickets. So I'm pulling up like, like okay, like we're getting paid <laughs> How today. much were tickets? Um, tickets was like $20. Dude. And then we sold a VIP table. So um, for $100, you could set up a table and put your shoes on the table. So people walking by could see your collection. We sold all of our tables and all of our tickets. But the, the sad truth is that when everything was said and done, when I counted all my money up and I paid for all these little expenditures that I had accrued, I didn't make any profit. I actually like lost a little bit of money on this whole thing. And it was kind of like um, another moment of pain in my career because I put all this effort in, all this money I had saved up into this thing and it flopped, you know? How did you even so, know to like structure it where you're setting up tables where you're 16 years old, charging for admission, rent out? Like, where did that huge I, Yeah, I, I don't really even think I could. Graham wouldn't even do it today. No, I, I mean, like, I couldn't do that. Yeah, that's thinking big. You definitely could. No. Um, I just copied it from somebody else. Like, I just looked at what are the biggest sneaker events doing in the world? Let me just go ahead and do my own twist on that. The only thing that I was adding to the table was that they didn't have that in my city. So let me just copy the formula of what's already working and apply it to this untapped market, which I feel like is what I've done my whole career. That's what I've done with e-commerce. That's what I've done with YouTube. Like I'm a firm believer in this idea that like nothing is 100% original. Like we, we find inspiration from things. We add our own unique touch to it. And that's how creativity is formed, you know? But you know what? That's actually a really interesting point that kind of segues perfectly with our sponsor, AutoDS, because chances are, if you're watching this podcast right now, you're interested in side hustles and also you're interested in making money. So back in the day, I actually had a drop shipping store. It completely failed because I couldn't really find a winning product. And also dealing with long delivery times was a huge pain in the butt. If you've tried a drop shipping store before, you know that trying a bunch of different plugins and looking for ways to optimize is incredibly challenging. And it usually just ends up making things just as complicated as when you started. Plus, I didn't end up getting the sales I was looking for, and in hindsight, AutoDS would have helped me a ton. AutoDS helps you stand out from the crowd and has millions of products from reputable suppliers. You could search, filter, and narrow down products to help you find the perfect item for your sales journey. AutoDS also has a winning products feature, which provides you with hand-picked products complete with advanced analytics, insights, and revenue projections. Additionally, they offer a TikTok spy that helps you locate the best-performing products and spot trends early on. They also have an academy section where you can access full Shopify and other platform courses for free. I also really like that they had built-in automation tools so that eventually you could take a bit more of a hands-off approach. So don't miss out and check out autods.com slash ICH to get a 30-day free trial. Again, that's autods.com slash ICH to start optimizing your dropshipping business today. So how do you think that shaped you then by kind of breaking even on that thousand dollars? I think it just hurt me in that moment 
but it taught me an important lesson and that's you have to take L's in this world of business to actually move forward. But it hurt me so bad that I quit doing business. I was really? 16 at the time and for the next two years, I didn't start any other businesses. I was just messing around doing YouTube videos like gaming and short films and I would do film festivals for my school. Um, I was playing basketball. I was just being a high school kid. I never went and worked a job so I didn't have money like my friends so I would walk to school every single day. And by the time I was 18, my mom was like, all right, Mr. Businessman, you ain't got no money. You ain't got a car. You're graduating high school. What are you going to do? And I was like, well, I'm not really sure. So she actually got me a job. And me and her had arguments because I was always like, I never want to work a job. I never want to have a job. I was really firm on that. But one day she's like, you got a job now. And I had to go actually to the job. So that was kind of like a breaking point for me in my life. As stupid as that sounds, I had this image of myself that that's not something I wanted to do. So I went to work as a busboy. I had like this super nice restaurant and my job lasted for one week. Why? Why did it only last a week? You can't leave us hanging like that. Well, it's <laughs> it last one week. Silence. I worked as a yeah. bus boy yeah. for nearly two years, man. Why? Respect. Yeah. Thank you. You it's only a did a hard week? Job. It's a hard job. But that's not why I left. It's just because I knew in the back of my mind that I had made money from all these other things, that I had so much bigger potential. And I said, if I stick with this, it's going to keep me locked in because I was making good money. Um, but like around my fifth day of working there, I had this embarrassing thing happen to me. I was carrying like a tray of oh. wine glasses and I tried to like open the door with my shoulder and I just dropped all of them. And everybody in the restaurant looks at me and it felt like the music stopped and everything kind of slowed down. And yeah, man, I just remember getting in the car that day. I had this uniform on, which I spent my last dollars to get the uniform, by the way, and the shoes. And I'm just like looking at myself like, what happened? Like you were supposed to be the young, successful business guy and now you're here in this car not even my car, all dirty. Like, so I never went back to the job that day, and I, and I promised myself that I was going to do something bigger. Um, but I just didn't know what at that so time. So you just left without telling them, or you just, like, stopped showing up? I just told the guy. I was yeah. like, look, like, I don't know if I'm going to keep working here. He's like, okay, no problem. Like, <laughs> he had no problem after you no, lost like, all the money on the glasses. No, like, written termination. Just like, all right, man, if we don't see you tomorrow. Yeah, it was kind of like a friend. Like, my yeah. mom got the job to her friend. So, you know, and I wasn't clearly the best employee. So. Yeah. Was your mom pissed? Nah, she was cool. Yeah. My mom's actually always been, like, a huge supporter of me, especially in this whole business thing. Yeah. So she understood it, but she's like, you got to do something. You, you can't just sit on my couch and try to start a little online business. You got to do something. So I ended up going to college for a year. Um, and during that year, I worked really hard trying to be a good student and stuff like that. And I ended the year with like a perfect GPA 4.0. And I was like, that was the biggest waste of time I've ever done on anything in my life. Like I would study all night, mm. do my homework, show up to class early, massive waste of time. So during that summer, I had money. I had a, a little bit of money from a refund check because I did student loans to go to college. I had like $2,000. And I said, I'm going to use this money and I'm going to flip this money. And this is going to be the thing that sets me on the right path. And I just spent that next three months of summer working every single day on starting an online business. I actually started an e-commerce business. And yeah, that was that was a, a crazy summer. How do you pick e-commerce? I did a bunch of research on different business models, right? Like I looked at marketing agency. I looked at like actual physical labor businesses, like car detailing. But e-commerce stuck out to me because I knew how to edit videos. I knew how to make websites. I had learned about marketing from flipping the shoes and from promoting the events. So I was like, I could do this business. And I kept seeing people that were like 20 years old or like 18 years old that were actually making money from this. Like I was talking with them and I was saying, okay, if these guys can do it, I know I can make this happen too. So I just 
picked that path and I didn't have a plan B and I just put all of my money into this thing. Uh, I ran out of the, the $2,000 very quickly from trying to learn how to run Facebook ads. It, it goes away quick. It's expensive. Yeah, it goes yeah. away quick. Um, so then I just started scraping up money any way I could. I sold all the stuff I had, ran out of that money, but I was making progress, right? I would get like $100 a day in sales, $200 a day in sales. And then there was one day where I had $500 a day in sales. Um, and I was like, this is the business. I remember showing my mom, she didn't believe me. She thought it was like some fake thing or something like that. Um, so I had a problem though. With Stripe and with Shopify, maybe you guys are familiar, but they like hold your money. And I didn't have any money to continue running this business because they were holding like 40% of the money that I had. So again, I'm at zero, but I have this business that's making like $500 a day. Um, so I went to one of my closest friends and I said, look, bro, he had no money. He worked at Best Buy. I said, yeah. look, if you could just let me borrow $500, I'm telling you, I got something crazy here. He's like, oh, yeah, 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 sure, no problem. He gave me the $500, and no joke, that money is what I used to scale and have my first product that made me $10,000 a month in profit. And from that moment, I never looked back on the e-commerce game. Like, that year, I ended up finishing the year at $750,000 in revenue. $750,000? In revenue. What were you selling? Um, so back then I had a general store. So it's like a wait. When was this? What this is 2017. Okay. So I had a general store. So I don't recommend this method at all anymore. But back then I was what was hot. You have a store selling any and everything. You know, from home goods to gadgets to beauty to tools. What I was selling that made me that much money in the first year. Um, I was selling like a sandblasting gun, so you could remove rust from uh, cars and other things. I was selling this like portable lunchbox container for like moms to go to work. Um, I had sold like a Legend of Zelda Ocarina. What? I had a whole variety of products yeah. that I was making money with, but the Sandblaster was a big one. We made a bunch of money off of that. So how did the business model work on that? Did they place an order through you and then you go to someone else and place the order with them and then they ship it to the customer directly? Yeah, it's good old dropshipping. Everybody right. that's following this show yeah. knows about dropshipping. So, you know, it's, there's, there's some negative press about dropshipping or whatever, but it changed my life. And that was the business that allowed me to drop out of college and focus full time on this entrepreneurship thing. How much were you making profit on that? That first year in December, we had a month where I did around 50,000 in profit. And that was the first time I remember looking at my bank account. I was like, wait, I like have a little bit of money now, yeah. you know? And I finished that year of 2017 with almost $100,000 to my name. And I had started that year like zero like I had I had nothing I was in debt because I had the student loans so that was a huge transformational year for me but it, it kind of came crashing down after that in the next couple of years why Facebook well, ads <laughs> no not Facebook ads it's my own ego got the best of me um so in, in the end of 2017, a lot of my friends and my family members were asking me, like, what are you doing? Like, how are you making this money? Because I would show on Instagram certain things that I was doing. You'd flaunt a little bit of your money on Instagram? A little bit, but I wasn't like super like, oh, look at me. I was just showing people because I was so proud of what I had built. Like, I would show my store and the sales I was oh, doing. No. People oh, you'd sales, show screenshots dude. of how much money you were making. Yeah, exactly. I was like, this business is finally working. I had no followers. Like, I had like... Uh, it's like your friends or your family. Yeah, I had like 500 followers. So <laughs> my friends were asking me, like, what? What is this so if you go to my channel and look on youtube like i posted my first video and the video is just showing people hey guys uh this is my first video on youtube i just want to show you guys how i'm making money so i broke down the whole business model and exactly what i was doing and i started posting videos over the next like three months and i got like a thousand subscribers and people started reaching out to me for like coaching and they want to get consulting so i started doing that as well <laughs> 
Um, and in 2018, I focused heavily on coaching because it felt more profitable for me. It felt like it was a better use of my time. And I let the dropshipping thing kind of slip mm. away. I also moved to Los Angeles in 2018. That was, I think, the year that we Probably. met. Probably, yeah. Um, so I was making decent money from coaching, but my dropshipping business was going like this. The dropshipping business was the thing that got me to where I was today. Um, but it was still a general store, or did you ever like change that? I never <coughs> had turned it into a brand, mm -hmm. which is what I did later in the last uh, couple years of my life, which was the thing I wish I did years ago. Um, but with the general store, the problem is the product is hot, and then it kind of dies off. And because you didn't build a brand, you don't have any type of Well, also, you have yeah. nothing that differentiates you from selling that product as well as all the other people. And if you're talking to other people online saying, this is the product I'm selling or whatever, or this is how I create a store, it's kind of like incentivizing them to do exactly what you're doing. Exactly. And then there's nothing that yeah. sets you apart from them. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, and then in 2018, I just... I, I spent all the money that I made. Long story short, right? I moved to LA. I got this stupid fancy apartment in downtown paying like 3500 a month in rent. Um, I leased a car that I didn't even really like that much just to kind of fit in. With what was the car? A Lexus <laughs> IS300. It was nice, but it wasn't like... I'm thinking you're about to say like a G-Wagon or something like nah, that. Nah, nah, like but AMG. like... You know, it just was... I didn't even like <clears throat> Lexuses. I just wanted to have like a nice car, you know? I, I picked up bad habits. Like I started smoking and stuff like that. I started drinking more and I just started spending money. And as a result, by the end of 2018, I had a lot less money. I had like $20,000 to my name and my expenses were like $10,000. And my dropshipping wow. store was done out of there. So I was really starting to panic at that point. And that's what led me to really focusing on YouTube again and starting another business, which is actually the business I still run to this day. But yeah. you sold also, you had another e-commerce store in between there, right? That you built up afterwards. So after all of that, there's a little gap in between it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll fill it in for you real quick. But I did sell my business last year. Yeah. But there's a gap in between it. So um, in 2019 and 2020, I was trying to get my software business off the ground. But little did I know, software is a very expensive industry to get into. And I was spending the last of all the money I had to keep my life in L.A. and to build this software company. And it got so bad that I had to get lines of credit from Wells Fargo. I maxed out my American Express to the point where they like charged off all my accounts. And I was like just miserable living in Los Angeles. And um, at the end of 2019, I was like horribly broke. Like I had zero dollars in my bank account. I think I had like two bucks. I had all this debt accrued and my business was making no money. So I said, I gotta leave LA. Like I can't keep doing this. So I ended up moving back to my mom's house. Um, at that point, stacked up debt, no money. The dropshipping business done, my software business not making any money. I was like, I need to start something fresh. So let me go back to my roots. I'm at my mom's house. I'm back on my mom's couch. I'm back to zero. Let me start with the thing that got me here today. So I started doing e-commerce again, but this time with all that experience I had accrued over the years and I cut out the bad habits I had. So I quit smoking. Um, I stopped drinking. I started eating better. And within the first 30 days of moving back to my mom's house, I had built a Shopify store that was doing over $10,000 a month in profit like that. And I, wow. and, I, and I started documenting it again on YouTube. So it's all there. Like all this has yeah. been. You know. What were you selling again? How do you find a winning product like that? Okay. So in this case, right, I found this product out of necessity. So when I moved back to my mom's house, uh, I was sleeping in my little brother's room 
and he kind of snores loud at night. Uh, so I went on Amazon and I saw this product. It was like a headband with headphones inside of it. So you could like sleep comfortably and block out noises. And I was like, this thing is genius. And then I saw on Facebook ads, somebody was running this product and they had like millions of views, but the ad was horrible. So I said, as long as I can make a better advertisement than this and a better looking store, I could capitalize on this. People want it, it's clearly selling, I want it. And that's what I did. And um, the way to find a winning product is just looking at something that adds value to people's lives and also looking at something that is already going viral and already succeeding. And just asking yourself, how can you add your own unique touch to it? That's how I found that product. I feel like every single time I hear from somebody who does drop shipping, like uh-huh. I hear from you, I hear from Bia Heza, all of these other like YouTubers, they're like, this is the easiest way to make 10K a month or to make six figures in a year if you're a young, like unskilled person. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? You think drop shipping is the way and it still is the way? Um, well, it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. Um, if I was looking for an easy way to make money, uh, I would probably just go work a fast food restaurant or something like that. If you wanna really build a business, it's one of the better options out there, for sure. Especially if you have an inclining to like creating content and learning how to build websites. But for some people, man, just learning how to do sales will like get you off the ground and actually get some money in your pocket. Like I stand for dropshipping because it changed my life, but I'm not gonna be the one that's like, everybody needs to start a dropshipping store because I mean, over the thousands and thousands of people I've talked to over the years, I've learned that it's not for everybody. You know, like some of these people are way older. They don't know how to build a website. They don't want to learn how to edit videos. So why do you have to edit videos if you're doing dropshipping? Well, it's really content based, right? Because nobody knows your brand and nobody ever heard of you before. So you have to be able to make content that attracts people to come and purchase your item. It's so heavily based on the content, actually. A lot of people think it's like a winning product or a magical website design, but if you know how to make viral content, you can crush it with dropshipping. You know, that's yeah. really one of the most important skills. But would you say it's the easiest way to make a hundred thousand a year? Because I get making money. Yeah. Just take any job. That's the easy way to make money. But like, what about a hundred thousand a year? The easiest way no but if you have the right skill set and you're ready to focus and learn over the next six to 12 months i say it's worth it i know how it changed my life and then i've impacted thousands of people that i reach out to or have reached out to me personally so i know that it works and i've seen it work countless times but no it's not the easiest way i'm sure there's easier ways you know i think it's window washing is the easiest way yeah probably you know (laughs) but then you got to sit out there i live in florida you know i'll be sweating like crazy um so look i would say it's the easiest way if you're ready to learn how to create content and build websites but if you're like completely computer illiterate I would never touch dropshipping with a 10 foot pole, you know, like go do sales or something. What was the most you'd made in a month from dropshipping? The most I ever made in a month in revenue was like 170,000, mm-hmm. um, but it was really profitable. We did around like 80,000 in profit that month. Um, but the most I ever made in a day was like 17,000. And what product was that? It was the sleep band. The sleep, the, the, the sleep headphones. Yeah. yeah. The ones that I told you about. So the difference this time compared to the last time was instead of let's do a store with a bunch of products, let's have a store where we have a variety of products. And then when we find one that works, let's quadruple down on that product and let's become the number one retailer for that product. And that strategy is what allowed me to scale this business as high as I did. Um, and it's what allowed me to actually build equity and sell the business. And that's the new meta for dropshipping, correct? Is like a one 
item businesses? I always say for beginners not to start with just one product on the store because usually that first product that you test is not going to be the one that hits. It's good to have a store with a variety of products, test, see which ones perform the best, and then you take that product and build a brand with it. But yes, that is the new meta. The general store thing is out. I would never do that. Yeah, because I tried drop shipping. I did it for a while. I did mm-hmm. it for like four to five months, maybe. I had a general store. I did that just by myself. Mm-hmm. I don't think I got a single sale, uh, but I bought like the the domain. I was running ads and everything. And then after that, I did uh, what was the the meta during the time where I was doing it? it was like you have a store that has a general idea. So ours was called the Better Brow Shop. Uh-huh. I was partnered with a friend, and uh, it was about like a bunch of makeup and glamour and stuff like that. Our main product was an eyebrow epilator. Mm-hmm. So we would try that? to <clears throat> it like basically like cleans up your eyebrows. You'd be using it, huh? I had never used it. No, no. I wanted to like see if it was cool, but uh, like <laughs> never I, used it. Just order. Yeah, I swear, I swear, I don't use it. Uh, no, but we we had basically like, it was a bunch of makeup and like beauty product uh-huh. products, but we had like a main one that we were pushing out, and that was kind of like the meta during the time where it was like a ge- not a general store where we were selling like leaf blowers as well as you know eyebrow stuff and like uh-huh. makeup, but like a general uh, a genre. Yeah, that's exactly what I recommend people to do now. I call it a hybrid store. Okay. So you have a store maybe like the home goods niche where you could sell so many different types of products or the beauty niche or the outdoors niche where, like you said, it's like a genre, mm-hmm. but it still feels like a brand. And then when you find that product that's right. really hitting, you could double down on that product. That's yeah. what worked for me. Yeah. And, but how do you build something then that you could sell? Why sell a business like that? If it's making money, is it better just keep it? Two questions there. Yeah. First question is how do you build a product into actually becoming a brand? And I think it really comes down to having an actual quality product. So working with the suppliers over in China to get your product better than whatever everybody else is drop shipping. And that's what I did. I literally worked with them. I changed the speakers. I changed the fabric. I changed the packaging. I put my logo on everything. We added extra bonuses in there. Like we gave everybody a free book or ebook with a bunch of sounds. Also having a team in place. So It got to the point where I wasn't running the ads anymore. And we were running ads on Facebook, on YouTube, on Google. So essentially, this business was passively. I don't really believe in the whole passive thing. um, But passively making me over $1,000 a day in profit. The reason why I sold the business is because last year at that time, I was really going hard on YouTube. And I was having a lot of fun doing it. And I was losing the love for this e-commerce business. Even though I had a team running it, I still had to use my mental bandwidth to keep the business going. And I didn't necessarily want to keep focusing on that. I wanted to clear my space to focus on this thing that I loved. I've been doing YouTube since I was literally 11 years old. So it's like, if I could do that full time, I'm going to do that. So I started working with a broker and they got me a valuation at the company. They start pitching the business to a couple people in their contacts. And it took around like four months until maybe like six months until I actually got the business sold. That's crazy. Who buys it? Who's out there buying these businesses? So the guy, he's private, um, but he bought it because he had another sleep business and he wanted to combine it into his own existing portfolio. And his skill set is literally buy, inject capital, inject his resources and team, and just grow the business even further. So I'm not even in contact with him anymore, but he like merged it inside of his sleep entity. And how is it doing now? Are you able to say? Or? I don't really keep up with it. I haven't even checked on it in a long be time. Curious? Like, I feel like that's my yeah, child. Like what if he turns like into like a tens of millions of dollar business? Yeah. You're like, okay, you know. I don't really know what's going on with it. It's not under the same brand name. It's like, it's totally become something different now. So it's not even like 
my thing anyway. What did he buy from me? He bought the product that we developed, which wasn't even patented, but he just wanted to have access to that and skip all those steps. He bought the team that we had, and he bought all this content and marketing materials that I've accrued over the years and access to the ad accounts as well. That's really what he was buying. Be interesting to see where it is now. Yeah. Like how it's doing, how much money he's making. Maybe I'll do like a video following up with this guy one day. But I don't, I don't really keep in touch with him. We did the deal. He kind of went away, and that was that. So, so you sold this dropshipping website that you had. Yeah. And then you also had this other, what was the, the other company that you were running at the same time, the software one? Yeah, you remember that business that made me go broke in Los Angeles, yeah. that software business? Yeah. Well, I never forgot about it, um, but it just wasn't able to stay alive when I was at my low moment. I had, um, in 2020, started it back up again once I started documenting my journey of doing e-commerce on YouTube. And as my YouTube channel started growing around that time, um, the software started to get some life in it as well because I was getting views. Finally, I was stuck at 30,000 subscribers for literally two years. I, I didn't grow at all for two years. Where did those initial 30,000 come from? So when I moved to LA, like I said, I was doing coaching. And every single week, I was posting three videos on my channel. This was when I met you. I was yeah, grinding on YouTube, yeah. man. I was posting three videos super niche down about dropshipping every single week. I thought that was the way to do YouTube. Looking back on it, it was not the way. But I would get like 1,000 views a video, 5,000 views a video, and just keep grinding them out, mm -hmm. you know? So that's how I got my 30,000 subscribers. And then from there, like you were saying? The way I went from 30,000 to 100,000 subscribers was by actually taking YouTube seriously. Studying titles, studying thumbnails, and studying how to make a video that people actually wanna watch. Because before, I was just posting as many videos as I possibly could. And I was stuck at 30,000 subscribers for years. Some people dream about 30,000 subscribers, but I hate that number. I, it, it used to bother me. I used to just look at my channel and it just wouldn't move, you know? Um, so from doing that and just authentically documenting my journey of building this e-commerce business, I grew my channel past 100,000 subscribers. I was posting a video every single Friday and I would show a live update of my store every single week. And people got down with that because so many people on YouTube are talking about e-commerce, but it's just like, yo guys, I'm gonna show you the 10 best products to sell. But I was actually showing people live, I'm building this business and let me show you what I'm doing every single week. And that's kind of what got my channel off the ground and ignited this passion for YouTube. Yeah, yeah. What? We'll get more into the YouTube success, but I also wanted to know this other software business. What is it? What was the business? Yeah, so and why'd you pick it back up? It's called Viral Vault. It's a product research software for e-commerce store owners. And we also have training and a community inside of there. So if you want to start your store, it's a good starting place. And it died because I didn't have any people that were following me that wanted to start a store. But once I started documenting my journey and people saw that I was really making money with this, they were like, okay, let me check out his product. Let me check out his software. And that business went from the gutter. It was making like $0. We were losing money with payroll every single month to by the middle of 2021, I was doing over $100,000 a month with this business. Like it, it totally flipped on its head. And this business was way more profitable than my dropshipping stuff because all I had to do was pay my overhead of my employees. Um, but what I did was instead of taking that money out and using it for lifestyle, I was living in Miami and my rent, you would be happy about this. It was yeah. like $1,900 a month in my Miami and I would just use all the little AdSense money I made and pay for my rent and just keep keeping the money inside of the software business, hiring more people, building a better product. And now um, last month, this business did like $350,000. It was like the biggest month we had with the business. Um, so it's been like this like uh, turbulent ride with the software business, but 
it's moving in the right direction. So let's say you're someone that wants to start e-com. What yeah. is the value of this software business? Like from what stage of wanting to start a store, what would it provide? It's totally tailored for beginners. So I personally curate products. I have a team that does product research and then I manually go through and review the products that I like the best and we upload those into our platform. Each product comes with supplier information, competitor data, ad copy, description, video ad, everything that you would need to like put it on your store and test it. We have a training program inside of there, which I teach. And I also got my friends who are way smarter than me to help me teach it. So we teach TikTok, Facebook, TikTok organic. And then I have a community with coaches. So it's kind of like an all-in-one toolkit for somebody that wants to start their own online store. And what is the fee? Is it a flat rate or is it a percentage that the store generates? It's it's super cheap. It's 60 bucks a month. So wait, so how did you generate $350,000 from this store? A lot of people. I have like a million subscribers um, and people just, you know, like on YouTube. So I, I, I like even dropshipping videos that I made a year ago are still popping up and getting views. Like even to this day, I still have one of the top ranked dropshipping videos on YouTube that I made like months and months ago. So people funnel in through there. Um, we also come up with some new offerings. Like I did a $1 product and that was basically just a case study of how I took my business from zero to selling it in two years. And that thing just went crazy. So I remember that you put that in one of your videos. Yeah. In the, my story video. And yeah. that, that day I had made like $50,000 that day from selling a $1 item. Yeah. So you got 50,000 people signing up from that. Yeah. Well, we have like upsells and stuff in yeah. there too, but yeah, that was crazy. I posted a video and then like, yeah, it was, it was a good day. So wow. of the people that are of the viral vault, like yeah. the, the clients of that, what is the most successful story? There's so many. Um, so I just did this subscribers meetup. Uh, it was the first time I ever did like a public meetup with my subscribers, literally last weekend. And I had people that flew in from all around the world, like Netherlands, Canada, all parts of the United States. This kid drove nine hours just to come to the event. But the most successful person that I can think of in recent times was this kid that came up to me at the event. And he's like, bro, I've been following your videos. I joined your Viral Vault program. And right now, last month, I did $180,000 in revenue. He surpassed my highest month mm. in revenue. And he took a product from our platform. He followed the training and followed the systems that I teach on YouTube. And he did it. And this isn't even like a sales pitch. Like these are real people. Like they come up to me all the time. But the meetup was cool. I got to see like a uh, concentrated group of people that I've made some type of impact on. And that's like the biggest blessing in the world to me. Why do you think that one guy was so successful? Like what sets him apart? So I asked him a bunch of questions because yeah. I, I was curious about that as well. And I think this holds true in any field. He stuck with it the longest and he didn't have a plan B. He knew he wanted to do this two years ago and he stayed with it over the course of two years. And in the first six months, he lost a bunch of money and he ran into some issues. Then six months later, he started to make some money and started to learn. Then the following year, he finally started making money, but it's ups and downs and you have to stay consistent throughout that. I mean, I could have quit my YouTube channel at 30,000 subscribers because it wasn't working, right? So it's what I think it is. I think that's the common trait amongst people that I see that are super successful is that they just stayed resilient through like the hardest, shit, you know? And why don't you just create the stories yourselves if you're doing basically all of the work? Like you're finding the product, you're running the ads, you have all of the expertise, but instead you're picking people and training them. Like wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be more profitable if you just created that store yourself that this kid had? The thing about training versus building my own store is that it actually is more profitable. I'm not gonna sit here and put up a front and be like, it's not more profitable because with building my own store, I can make it make me a lot of money. But considering my situation where I have millions of views coming in a month, millions of followers, 
it's more profitable for me to leverage that as opposed to just starting another dropshipping store. The dropshipping store is what got my name out there and what established me as an entrepreneur. But at this stage of my career, that's what I get the most value out of. And also, it is an impact that we're making at this company. You know, many people have started their first successful business from what we teach. So for me, that that means more than me, you know, finding a cool product and turning into a brand, you know, maybe I'll go full circle and start another brand in the future. But at this stage, I'm not really. So you're not running any dropshipping stores at the moment? No. But you're surrounding yourself now with some really wealthy people like that one billionaire. Yeah. You just interviewed. How do you how do you meet these people? Well, everybody's different, right? But the way I met Thomas Petterfee, who's like the richest man in Florida, was a cold email. I literally just sent him an email. My girlfriend did it saying that we wanted to do a video with him. And he responded in the most gangster way possible. He said, okay. And then he sent a calendar invite with his address and we just There's pulled up. There's no way. Yeah. How do you get his that email? That must be the best cold email of all time. Wait, first of all, how do you get his email? What do you say in the email? Well, she did all the work. My girlfriend, she tracked down, found his private email, sent him a nice message sharing my brand and what I'm all about. And we got the okay. And we pulled up to his house. He has this $100 million uh, mansion in Palm Beach, which is like the, one of the most expensive zip codes in the world. This guy has a house and then he has just a gigantic lot right next to the house. And we got there. There was a butler there. He shook my hand. He greeted me. He's like, Mr. Petterfee, we'll see you soon. Please go sit over there. And five minutes later, this guy comes out, treats me with nothing but respect, yeah. by the way. Like you expect a billionaire to kind of be like stuck up. No, total respect. And we had a great conversation. We hung out with him for like almost an hour. And what, what do you think set him apart? Was there anything meeting him that you noticed that was different about a billionaire than somebody not a billionaire? What I would say was he moved with respect. Mm -hmm. And I know that that made an impact on his career because he has a massive team. So if he was an asshole, his team wouldn't really be putting that work in to get the company to billions of dollars. That was something that really stood out to me that I wasn't expecting. Also, the way that he moved with his time I've never seen anybody like that. The butler told us he was going to come out at 10 a.m. Yeah. He came outside no later than 10 a.m. When the interview was over, it wasn't, come on, guys, you want to come in for a coffee? You want to? He was like, nice to meet you. Thank you guys for coming. Walked inside of his house, disappeared like a ghost, you know? Have you heard from him <laughs> since you shot this video with him? No, but I heard from a lot of people on his team, and I know he saw my video, and I know he really liked it. The video about to hit a million views. You yeah, know? I loved it. Yeah, thank you. I thought you. it was really well done. I stole your title. Oh, what? Meet the... Yeah. <laughs> Dude, everyone, everyone has used that title now. You know what the crazy thing is? It doesn't even work anymore. Now yeah. we use it on our own videos, and it's so saturated that we can't do it. It's not special. Well, everyone the, says, meet the blank man. It's the principle yeah. that I shared before that worked with me with dropshipping. It's like, look at what's working and say, how can I add something to that? You had the 100 million, but I said, okay, this guy is like 300 billion. So even though it's the same it's like different in that way you know i like the videos where you go to different events and you ask people what they do for a living yeah like what was the one was it f1 i did f1 yeah. as like a short but my favorite videos like that i ever did i did one on wall street i went to the new york yeah. stock exchange i went to the bitcoin conference i snuck backstage and interviewed kevin o'leary um we did one at the youtube uh vid summit yep. conference and yeah i like those videos the thing about those is like People come to me, they're like, oh, you're that guy that asks people what they do for a living. I'm like, well, I mean, 
not necessarily, but all right, cool. Let's rock with it, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I, but I do like those videos. They're very fun for yeah, me. It sucks because they're, they're so basic. That that's what people generally remember because yeah. they get so many views and they're so simple. It's just, hey, we'll, 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 you know, how much money do you make and what do you do for a living? Yeah. I let one slip. I forgot. Right. My, one of my most recent videos was asking black millionaires how they got rich. And that video is about to hit a million in a month, um, which for my channel is like a, a, a top yeah. performer. Um, so we're going to do more of those because I do like them and they're inspiring for people because my goal on YouTube is to inspire, right? I want to inspire people through my story and through my business that I'm building and also through all these other stories that I get the opportunity to share. Do you ever wonder if some of these people are lying to you when you ask <laughs> them how much money you make? Do you ever get to say, but you don't say anything? I am very like particular about the people I put on my channel yeah. and I do a disgusting amount of research on them because if I give somebody a platform and they come out as a scammer or something down the line, I'm the one that gets pinned with that. Yeah. So I always make sure people are legit before I bring them on my channel. And a lot of times, I'm the guy that's gonna be like, yo, pull up your phone real quick. Let's, uh, let's show the camera what you're making. And like, people in the moment might get a little uncomfortable, but they don't realize that it makes the viewer respect them even much more because they know that they're legit. Yeah. So I, I do that for people, I don't mind. And how about good. walking on Wall Street? What type of professions would you see people having there? And um, how much would they be making? <laughs> They looked miserable out there. I'm really? not going to lie. It was Why? like, I don't know. Everybody was just in a rush and everybody was feel like they're wearing just the same outfits. And like, I could never work over there. But most everybody was like bankers or the assistant to the banker or the assistant to the assistant to the banker. Like, I don't know, just NPC jobs. Like it was like, <laughs> yeah. uh, it was like not really a place that I would ever want to be involved in. Um, but we did get the opportunity to actually go inside of the stock exchange. And that was cool. But it was I, way different than I expected. get in there? There was a guy that I knew that worked inside of there and one of my friends knew him very well so I just bugged the crap out of him to say I want to do a video inside there I want to do a video inside there and he made it happen but that that took a huge left turn um like <laughs> okay I'm not gonna put the guy's name out there because I really don't want to give him any publicity whatsoever but he invited us inside of there cameras rolling gave us the full tour like talking to the camera like everything's all good and everything's great thanks for coming by we did a full interview with him then I get home, I edit my video, I put it out. I didn't post it, but I put it on listed and I sent it to him. He goes, yeah. now we can't use this. What are you talking about? He's like, if you guys post this video, I'm going to come after you. Like his whole demeanor like shifted like this. Wow. And I was like, uh, I don't understand. You invited us. He's like, no, this video is bad because it shows that anybody can come into Wall Street. And I was like, you're talking crazy right now. So um, what I did was I was going to scrap the whole video, but I got creative and I had my friend who's an animator. I animated the interview. I cut out this dude's face. I warped his voice and nobody ever knows if I really went in there or not. So, wow. Yeah. I heard it's extremely difficult to get in. That's why I was kind of surprised that you got in because what I've heard is that you need so much clearance. And even once you're inside, you're not, you're not really supposed to take any video. Pictures, I think, are kind of monitored. I, yeah. I hear they're very like tight on security there. I walked right in. <laughs> but like, it was because oh, I was with the guy, you, go, you know? Yeah, for sure, yeah. And he was well, acting, with somebody. He was like, acting like the head honcho, you know, but then he got a boss so or it somebody. Yeah, it sounds like he kind of talked himself up a little Absolutely. bit, got in over his head. And then when it came to it, it was like, oh, crap, I can't actually do this. Yeah, because so, I started the video on the yeah. street interviewing people, and then I worked my way up 
into the stock exchange. Yeah. That was the storyline of the video. So he's like, this just shows that anybody can come into the stock exchange. I'm like, whatever, bro. So where do you where do you take the YouTube thing? Well, you know, continuing to share my story and document my journey is something that I'm really passionate about. But also now I have so many people reaching out that want me to share their stories and give them a platform. Again, I'm very picky about who I want to do that with. But there are some amazing people like I have an interview lined up with the richest black landlord in America um, in Miami. We're going to be doing that video soon. How did you get in contact with this person? What do they do? Yeah, his name is Don Peebles. Um, he basically started out in Washington, D.C., um, went to school in like the political field, and he just worked his way up. Uh, he, he ended up getting a job at the tax advisory board in Washington, D.C., and from that he was able to get in on some properties out there. And he started working his way up. He bought a property in Washington, D.C. for the government. As for his whole story, I have to actually sit with him and talk with sure. him. But what I know is that this man started in D.C., coming from a lower class family, worked his way up and ended up now having a portfolio of $8 billion of real estate. He owns two hotels in Miami on Miami Beach. Um, he owns like a private country club resort in Miami. Like he was loaded. What I found is that these billionaires or even multi multi-millionaires that are older they love this stuff because they get to provide inspiration to the next generation. I feel like when you're 90 years old and you got a bunch of money, that's all that you have left to do is philanthropy and sharing what you've learned with the world. So you guys, you, you, you got to share the secrets of what was in that email. Like what, what was so good about that email that the guy said, okay, I'm so curious. What we included in that email was just the fact that this is an opportunity to inspire people and share your story on a large platform. And then I sent my and videos and also too having a library of cool videos helps. Like I send them another example of an interview and they're like, oh, this is mm -hmm. cool. So you guys, you know. And one thing is like, I, I bet for a billionaire, a lot of people solicit his email with like, I got this business opportunity. You can make a lot of money, 10% return in a month on this. And they're like, okay, like I have been through this so many times. I've already been through it so many times. I'm 24 and I'm like 0.0001% as successful as someone like that. And people solicit stuff like that. But if it's something like, oh, you can share your message, you can be inspiring to young people. That's a lot more enticing than just like some sort of business solicitation. Yeah, that's my whole thing. On those videos, I don't pitch anything. I don't promote anything it's mm -hmm. really just to share their story yeah so you know so on a more personal level can yeah. you talk about how you balance a relationship with everything that you're doing and traveling and yeah I mean the relationship has actually helped me a lot um, for me having somebody that you can call on and be there in your corner every single time something's going on whether it's good or bad has elevated me like crazy in life because I was single for pretty much my whole adult life I, I've been together with my girlfriend now for about a year and a half and recently she even like started helping me out in my business with with certain things so really it's it's helped me a lot you yeah. know how, how about you how'd you guys meet oh uh, we actually met uh, at this restaurant I used to go to this vegan restaurant like almost every single day and I had seen her working in there you know I was like okay she looked kind of good uh, but then <laughs> <laughs> one day they were actually filming a commercial for the restaurant yeah. and they wanted me to be in the commercial and she was filming it so we ended up talking that day after we were done filming and we got connected we went on a date like that same day and the yeah. same day I think it was the day after. All right, so how, how do you, it was like, it was like we were ready. How do you cross that line of interest where it's like, okay, like I think you're interested in me. I'm definitely interested in you. How do you cross that to like, hey, let's go on a date, like a romantic date? It wasn't even like romantic. I was just like, let's hang out. Like, so then we just went for a walk. <laughs> let's hang out. Yeah. On the beach at sunset. Taking so, a wait, walk wait, wait. So, so you just said like you're talking to her, right? Casually because she's near you and you want to strike yeah. up conversation. And then you just say, hey, like we should go hang out sometime. Yeah, Jack, if she's into you, you can do anything. You can go anywhere you 
you want. You know, you don't have to. If you, in fact, if you do it like super fancy, like it might actually like play in, against your favor. Right, like right, right. you know, well, you don't want to show too casual, much too just early. Casual, you know. Okay. Like we went to a restaurant right by my house. We sat there on like the bar, and then we just went for a little walk and. Yeah, it worked. The thing is, some of my friends, like from back home, these guys have no money. They pull straight tens and they get whatever girl they want. That's what I'm saying. I don't think it makes that big of the a difference. The money thing will add some swag to you as a man. It'll make you more secure sometimes. But um, it, it's deeper than money. And girls, a lot of times, like the ones that care about money are the ones that you really don't even want. And the ones that don't care about money is like, it gives you a chance to actually show your character, you know, and that's how you really build a relationship. So you said it's deeper than that. Yeah. Explain that. Like, what is it about? I feel like a woman is more attracted to like a man's aura of like confidence. Like, does he take care of himself? Is his hygiene good? Does he have something in life that he's like working towards? Does he have good friends? Like the money is like a bonus, you know, but it levels you up for sure. Like it adds you on a higher bracket. If you're broke, you're kind of on a lower level. So I, I would agree with that. I think it's like somewhat, it's not, I would say it's somewhat important, right? Yeah. Like a girl would probably take that into account. If we can't also do. generalize talk about women either because it's like every woman got their own kind of preferences, you know? But, of course. Yeah, 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 of course. But I do agree. I think it has to do with your general aura or like vibe, not to use See, cliche words, but it's about like, okay, are you a competent person? Can you strike good conversation? Are you confident? Yeah, you know, Alex uh, Hormozzi on your show, yeah. he said something that I really liked. He's like the two dichotomies of a relationship is like the cheerleader yeah. and the person that's on your team. I think that's a good way to look at it. And those are like the two ones that actually work. Like the guy is out there, he's doing his thing in his career and his woman is in his corner helping him out or they're in it together. They're both working on the business together. They're both building this thing as a unit. Those are the two that I've seen work successfully. That's how my mom and my stepdad, they're married. That's how they work. But then on the flip side, um, I've seen her previous relationships not work because the whole dynamic was off. But so, not to yeah. say that it still can't work out if let's say like the, the woman in the relationships out on the field, like in the guys, the cheerleader, it just represents a very statistically small percentage of successful relationships. Yeah, definitely. And what about being vegan? You brought this up earlier. You <laughs> met your girlfriend at a vegan restaurant you yeah, said yeah, both yeah. of you guys are true vegans well i would say like plant-based like because like my car got leather seats and like you know i probably buy some oh, like you, shoes you and stuff like that. but i yeah. eat plant-based like foods only i don't eat meat or drink and what's dairy the reason products. behind that i just started to do a bunch of research on how like all this meat is produced in the world and it totally changed my perspective on it and it made it not appetizing for me anymore and then i said okay let me try to live without it let me try to eat a diet without having these foods in my system and i felt just fine i even felt a little bit better than i did before i was still in the gym i was still putting up the weights i was putting up i felt more energy so I just stuck with it. Um, I haven't had meat in five years. So you made your own personal decision to do that. Was there any other like influences on you that were saying, hey, you should become vegan? One of my best friends actually at the time, we were working out together every single day and we, we were broke. We would always go to Chipotle after the gym and we would get a bowl and we would split it and we would just eat the chicken bowl every single time. And we go one time and he's like, I don't want chicken this time. I was like, what are you talking about, bro? We get the same thing every time. He's like, no, nah, I don't want it. I'm done eating meat. And I thought he was crazy. I thought he was insane. But then over the next two weeks, he just starts educating me on all these things he's learning. He starts sharing all these resources with me. And I was like, we're still working out. And he's still killing it. He's still even doing better than me. So that's one of the biggest influences that led me to doing that. And he's still plant-based to this day. And he's actually one of the healthiest and most shredded people I know. He does jujitsu, Muay Thai. The man can lift crazy. Um, so I don't knock anybody for what they choose to eat. But this is what I choose. But why no fish? 
I never used to like fish. I never, mm-hmm. I never ate fish growing up. My mom didn't like it, so we didn't eat it in the house. So I don't have like an appetite for it. I actually don't even. I hate like like anything that has that taste, like seaweed or anything like that. It, I hate it. The salty kind of ocean. Yeah, oceany taste. That. That's like, yeah. that oh man, yeah. I respect that. I love the fact that you made your opinion for yourself and you just like made the decision. Totally cool. More power. Yeah, I get you. a lot of um, feedback from my friends. You know, because I'm friends with a lot of these entrepreneur, biohacker type of cats, and they always be like, oh, you need to eat grass fed steak and drink raw milk from the cows and like i hear you bro but like i'm doing my thing i'm doing I, just fine yeah. so. i think it's a big problem that everybody is now an expert and they're yeah. just like you got to do this this will fix you this will fix that and everyone's an ideologue that wants to share their ideas and try to force their ideology on other people i think yeah. it's just a super yeah so i respect the fact you made your decision for yourself you're not forcing this on, on anybody and you're just living your own and within your own lane yeah, i think all it is is just eight hours of sleep don't drink don't smoke get some exercise 30 minutes a day. I think it's that simple. And drink a lot of water, drink good water too. You know, that's a big change that I made in my life over the last year, like drinking a lot, a lot of water and making sure the quality of the water is on point. Um, That has made a huge What do you look for in water? I just don't drink water at the tap anymore. What? Uh, No. I hear the tap water's better than most bottled water. I just get spring water. I buy glass bottles of spring water. They ship it to my house every single week. You still drink tap water? Yeah, I do. Graham, you're so rich. No. The tap water is better quality. Los Angeles, Las Vegas, tap water is phenomenal. The testing that they have to do. Sponsored by the city of Los Angeles. (laughs) I heard the testing that they do on water is more strict than the testing on bottled water. I saw a study a while ago. This was on like the, the top page of Reddit where they went through and tested waters and they found that tap water was actually better for you. I think there are studies that would go against that and argue that as well. For me, I just feel the difference. I used to drink the every day like out of the refrigerator, like the filter in there. Compared to me actually drinking out the bottles most of the time and drinking much more of it, I feel better. I used to wake up super tired every day too. And that change actually made me feel a little bit more Maybe awake it's a placebo. in the morning. Could what be. if someone Plus switched your water? Real. Yeah, I mean, well, like, then I agree yeah. too. Someone switched your water. I don't know, man. Miami, the just just think about all the stuff that goes through those pipes and all those systems. Yeah. I actually yeah. believe that it makes a difference. I, I, maybe I'm tripping. Maybe it's placebo, yeah. but I've seen a difference in my life. So for the veganism, it's due to the ethics or is it the environment? What is it more specifically? It started just learning about what it takes to produce meat and it changed my whole perspective on it and also understanding the impact that that had on the environment now there's arguments as well on the plant-based side for farming vegetables and fruits and how that impacts the environment um but that was what led me to starting it just you ever watched like videos of like animals getting like tortured in a, oh, in, yes. in a Josh, factory that, yeah yeah it's like you ever you ever saw this. like these like boxed in factories where the cows are like this close to each other yeah and their heads stick out the thing and they're getting whipped all day yeah you ever saw how they make milk no like, it's not like a farmer in an outfit with smiling, pulling it. There's like a metal thing that they attach to the bottom of the cow that like yolks the bottom of their udders and like blood comes out of there, pus comes out of there. And then they run it through the filter and then they give you the finished product with a guy smiling with the cow. So, like this. okay. So I saw one of those videos for milk and I stopped drinking milk after that, but I never was like a big milk person anyway. But yeah. when I saw that, I stopped altogether. So milk is one of the biggest scams in American history yeah, it is. because if you look at the marketing campaign that they ran for milk, Milk. It was one of the biggest marketing campaigns of all time. Got milk. LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Serena Williams. If it was so good, why are we trying to push this to everybody? Why does every child from the age of six years old get served milk in school instead of water? 
because they want you to build up the habit of drinking the milk. It's not because it's so much healthier for you to drink this every single yeah. day. I thought as a kid it was like calcium. Like, yo, you get your good calcium yeah, drinking yeah, yeah. milk. Yeah. Build yeah, your bones. Sure, yeah, build your bones. Get them no. strong. Yeah. Think about the quality of the school milk that you're getting. You think you're actually getting good quality milk. Cardboard. You're probably getting oh, yeah, the, the bottom of the barrel lowest thing ever. I used to drink strawberry milk every single day. I with, love with pizza. That, with pizza. Really oh, good. man. The Nesquik, I'd mix that in. Yeah, the I used to like it chocolate. too. Oh. I used to like it too. But the, the school lunch that they feed kids is terrible. But that's a whole other topic. Yeah. So you're very into nutrition. I mean, I try because that's like the final frontier. Like, look, I know I'm going to make money, more money in my life, right? But what is it worth if by the time I'm 50 and I got a billion dollars that I'm completely out of shape and I can't enjoy it, you know? So I, I, I guess you could say I'm big on nutrition. I think everybody should be, you know? Is that your goal, 50, one bill? Um, I don't really look at it like that. I had this big realization um, last year because I had set a goal for myself to accomplish a certain number of subscribers on YouTube. And right on December 31st, I hit that exact number. So I said, okay, what if I could have put a bigger number on the board? Maybe I would have did better. So I changed my perspective this year and it's actually been working like way better for me to just say, okay, let's just do the very best that I can do every single day. Let's not put a cap on what we think is possible and just let's see what can happen. And as a result, I mean, I've had my biggest month of subscribers. I've had my biggest month of income. Um, I feel like less of like a shot clock pressure of like, oh, I got to hit this target by yeah. this time. Um, so where are you investing it? What are you doing with that money? So I have a lot of my money in cash. Um, I have maybe only like 30% of it invested. Um, I have money in a couple of stocks that I like. I have a bunch of money in index funds on uh, the Fidelity index funds. I have Bitcoin. I have Ethereum have watches, I have the car. That's kind of where my money is scattered. But really sure. the majority of my money is in cash because I still have trauma from when I ran out of all my money. So I kind of like sure. having it. But I realized that that's kind of a mistake. Yeah. yeah. Usually like keep one, like for you, even like two years of expenses in cash. Yeah. yeah. I have like, then, I have like many, many years of expenses much. in cash. Yeah. <laughs> you got to think logically. It's like if you were to invest it, let's just say the worst stock market crash ever, you lose 60% of your money. Mm -hmm. How long will that realistically last you? Usually crashes like that take about four to 10 years to recover, assuming from the peak. So it's like, can that last you the four to 10 years while you're also continuing to make money? So like when you think of those things logically, like even the worst case scenario, yeah, worst you'll case still be 10 years, fine. Right. you'll still end up on top at the end. Right. Yeah, it's true. I need to be a little bit more aggressive with it. And I do kind of aggressively invest back into my business. Like we spend a lot to do videos and travel and, and I've never been paid to do a video ever. Um, like I never did an interview with somebody as a paycheck yeah. or anything. We pay for everything out of pocket. Um, I have a big team that I work with on YouTube and Viral Vault. So I guess that's probably the biggest investment, you know, is back into my business. Yeah. But you're right. I, I, I do need to get rid of some of my cash because it does nothing. Yeah. You know, that's why I tried to do that savings account just like to get some money accruing because in the chase account just kind of dead in there you treasuries you're paying i do have 5.2 5.3 i saw i saw your video about yeah. treasuries and i bought some on treasury direct so yeah, yeah it's complicated to figure that out yeah i know it wasn't so bad though it's a horrible website so though bad. yeah if they just made it easier you know just well they like, have the best product they don't even need to optimize know. it you know they just, it, uh, it, it, it it makes me think that they don't even want people to buy these things because yeah. they just don't make it that like friendly like imagine someone who's like 70 years old wanting to go figure out how to do this it's a, it's hard it is super hard yeah. but it was, i just looked it up on youtube just like how i learned everything yeah. in my life so youtube university baby i'm always watching youtube you know i watch my boy graham too of course there we go yes did you watch my window washing video i saw the thumbnail you gotta like watch it 
<laughs> yeah, you got to watch it. That I want to turn that into a new series. So no. you actually went with somebody that does window washing? Yeah, that's why I was saying, like, we're talking about the easiest way to make 100 grand a year. I'm like, dude, window washing. Okay, I didn't uh, know you actually so, went with somebody. I yeah. thought you were just telling people. No, no, that's why you got to click on the video. Right. Because my whole thing is I want to do, like, an undercover jobs where mm -hmm. I go through with other people and they teach me how to do what they do. Yes. And I want to focus on, like, young people making really good money in weird careers that you wouldn't think of. And window washing was one of them. So you were out there washing windows? Yeah, so... I met this guy because he came up to the house and a neighbor said that he was going door to door doing window washing and gave me his business card. I was just curious because the guy came up and like was kind of looking through the windows. I'm like, he's trying to rob the place. So like, I don't know, because he just like peered through the windows. I like, That's kind of weird. Mm -hmm. So I looked him up on Instagram and I see that he was 19 years old, uh, uh, wife, a kid. And is going door to door window washing windows. I'm like, dude, I, like you got to help out this person. And so I'm like, hey, I'll just, I just want to send you a hundred dollars just for free, no strings attached. I just want to support an entrepreneur and like, you know, give a thumbs up. That yeah, like keep doing that. That's great. So, some encouragement. And he was like, no, I don't even want the hundred dollars. Just give me like a ten minute phone call with you, and that's it. And so on the phone call, he's like, yeah, I really want to buy a house. And I'm like, dude, how much money are you making? He's mm -hmm. like, well, you know, anywhere ten to twenty thousand dollars a month. I was like, what? Washing windows at 19 years old, he's like, yeah, it's really good. And he walked me through his whole business. I just, it sat with me for a while. That's and amazing. so I came up with this idea. I'm like, how cool would it be just to shadow him for a day uh, and, and just see what happens? And I did. And so my goal for the day was to make $500 washing windows. Uh -huh. And we pull up in this area and we just start door knocking. And it's horrible. And the, we did like three to five houses of just like, you know, knocking on doors and being told no. Have you ever oh, done door-to-door -door sales before? I did door-to-door, -door, like door knocking as a real estate agent uh -huh. for a while in Mar Vista. Hated it. Yeah. And so I did a week of that and I decided I'd rather quit door knocking than have to do this ever again. Uh -huh. So I stopped. I hated it. But... It was actually the first house we knocked on was the president of the HOA in this community. And she was not happy. She's like, how did, how did you get in here? And we're like, you know, we gave her a bit of a story. And she's like, you can't be like horrible. And I'm like, dude, should we get going? He's like, no, nah, don't worry about it. We'll just, we'll just go over here instead. I so, like this guy. So we went over there. And like the fifth house was this, uh, was this older lady. We just talked to her. She was so nice. And she like haggled us down a little bit, but we got a two hundred and fifty dollar job. Wow! Washing windows, and so he's like, "Yeah, you know, we did pretty good so far." But we ended up making over a thousand dollars that day, going door to door. We started it. We really started door knocking at like eight a.m. and we finished at like six. But from an eight to six, making a thousand dollars in a day was insane. Yeah, that's incredible, and it just goes to show that you don't need to start some crazy business to make a bunch of money. You need to work, and you need to pick a skill that you can focus on. Bro was obviously really good at washing windows. Yeah, he was good at washing windows. He was better with people. Uh -huh. So he was really good at handling objection because he would turn these situations around like, I couldn't do that. They would say, oh, no, I'm not interested. He'll be, but, but you know what? It's a really good price. Mm -hmm. How about this? How about I just take a look around, and I'll, I'll give you a quote. No, I'm not really interested. Well, how about this? It's $100 off right now only because I did a job down the street. Mm -hmm. uh, how much is it? This price and we'll throw in this for you. Well, I don't really want to. We'll throw in this if you say yes right now. Yeah. And he'll get yeses. 
Yeah, it's a good way to make money. My big brother also, he's kind of like me in the way he didn't work a job. Yeah. He made his first money from doing mobile detailing. So same yeah, thing, door to door, too. going to houses saying, hey, we'll clean your car. It's super dirty. I'll do it. Check it out. You pay me after. And he did this for a long time. Now he's in the real estate game, but he really made his first money just from doing mobile detailing. Yeah, so that's that's the next one that's that I'm doing. That's a good one. That's why I was bringing and that up. It, it, it's such a wholesome story, but I got a letter in the mail to the P.O. box from a high school student who says, hey, I'm washing cars on the weekend. I've been saving all of my money. I bought a mobile detailing truck with all the money that I made on weekends, and I'd like to wash your car for free as a thank you. Good kid. And so I met him. He washed the car for free. Did such a good job. Mm -hmm. like, such a good job. And then we kept in touch. And I think I did like an Instagram shout out. And then he started cleaning Ryan Pineda's car. Wow. And from Ryan, he started like cleaning all these other people's cars. And now he's cleaning like all the YouTube cars. You changed his life, and bro. So, yeah. But, well, no. He was already doing that like nah, way before. You, you, you helped doing him that, a lot. No. I, he was doing it okay. way before. So now I want to showcase him and go along with the day. And he's like, dude, show up on this day. It'll be a good day. We could wash cars together. I love this so. series for you. I think it's great. And it shows people what it really looks like to get out there and make money. I and think I think it's so probably too. fun for you too. You probably get oh. bored of being in here doing talking videos all the time. Yeah, it's it's tough for me because I look at it from a business perspective and I'm like, where can I get the most value from my time? Mm -hmm. And we spent such a long time on that window cleaning video, like such a long time. It was a whole day of filming. Alex spent three days editing the video. We spent a whole day reviewing it and I was exhausted. Like That's doing not like that much time. Though. But doing that one day, I have to tell you, I could have made two to three normal sit down videos in that time. Yeah. Because not only was it physically exhausting mentally it was exhausting the rejection that you get all the time it takes a toll but talk so about like, the dopamine rush when it was all said and done and you made a thousand dollars like it probably was higher than you ever well, feeling after you finished i mean he made the thousand I, i'm not taking any money from that but, but it's the win of the story you know yeah but i, I but hear it's, you but like, it's hard for me because when i look the ad revenue of that video is substantially lower than when right. i make like a federal reserve update video so it's like for me those videos probably make a fifth of what I could do just in the office. So it's tough. Same for me. I mean, time. when yeah. I when I pivoted out of dropshipping videos and started yeah. broadening it up a little bit, my CPM cut into a third. Yeah. But I fell in love with the videos that I was creating. I didn't really love making these dropshipping tutorials as much as I did actually being outside filming, using music that I like, telling stories, editing, putting that's funny putting yeah. funny stuff in there that I never would put in there normally. People seeing my personality. And that's when I was like it doesn't matter if I just keep doing this, the money going to come back around and, and, and it yeah. has, you know, so that's, that's where I'm at. I'd love to do one of those a week and just do that. Now you mentioned like staying away from things that might like pull you down. What are those things? For me, it's like sleeping super late, sure. being lazy, acting like I'm retired or something. Um, just eating crappy foods, playing video games. I do love video games, but I try to limit that these days, you know, that's good. um, alcohol i like to drink occasionally but I, I i really keep that to a minimum sure just the standard stuff the stuff that you know in your heart you shouldn't be doing you know but yeah. we do it anyway sometimes so how do you make sure you don't get complacent i see where you are right now and just like oh, I'll, i'm fine well you know i actually tried to retire before <laughs> and uh how was that it, it was so boring like um the first time i ever like looked at all my money and added everything up and i had like a million or whatever i was like okay i'm gonna retire now just like chill out for like a month and do nothing that was like the most depressing month of my life like i was bored nothing was happy for me like the first day was cool because i was like free and then your brain needs something. You have to have something that you're striving towards. Like you have to have some type of goal. Like that's why I feel like when people retire at like 60 and they do nothing, they like die internally, you know? Um, so I don't get complacent because I realize that 
it's boring and it's like not fun. I like creating stuff. So what happened in that month when you didn't have that main driving factor of working? Did you just have a slow regression into like, okay, I'll skip the gym today. I'll eat a little bit worse today. And was it just like every day was getting worse and worse? Yeah, I just became, just I just became lazy and I got bored and I wasn't working hard. I wasn't making videos. I wasn't running the business. I would check in with my team, but it was just a complete like, let me just try to step away from everything and see how that goes. Hated it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hated it. And what's the goal now for the future? Like, I, I know that we previously discussed a billion dollars at 50 years old, but like, where do you see this going in a decade, 30 years, et cetera? I don't know. I just want to keep trying my best and do as much as I can on a daily basis. And I think the potential for this is like truly limitless. Um, I never would have thought I would have had a million subscribers right now. Um, just like last year in January, I had like literally 200,000 subscribers. And that took me 10 years to get that. And to go from 200,000, to a million in one year is kind of like a testament to the fact that we don't know how big this thing can actually be. Um, so for me, what's the goal is just to try to become the best version of myself and inspire other people through that journey and also travel around the world and meet cool people like you guys and, and share y'all stories with the world because um, there's so many amazing people that don't have that platform and hopefully can inspire the next generation and this, this current one as well. So. Yeah. What's your advice for people watching? I would say people should take less advice. Really? I would say that you should just follow what you know in your heart that you should be doing. Because a lot of times your intuition is kind of guiding you in the right direction. Um, but if I was going to give any piece of advice, I would say pick one person that really stands out to you and somebody that you really want to emulate and just study them. Because if you try to go ahead and study every single person in the world and try to do what they're doing and do what they're doing, I found it's not going to work. I would rather have one mentor that is doing the exact thing that I want to do and just shadow him and learn from him as much as I possibly could. So that's been my truth thus far. Yeah. I agree. I think there's like a honeymoon period of starting a new endeavor and you really like it for three months and then you hit your failure and then you try maybe a little bit more and you hit another failure and then you pivot. But you never get actually past the hump of like making money, being profitable and enjoying it. And same goes with the gym. It's mm -hmm. like you kind of like that honeymoon period. And I've, I've been through this phase so many times where I hit the gym and I love it for a month. And then I stop because I'm not seeing progress. And I go back six months later. You just got to keep pushing through that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the only other thing I would say is that like you should not compare yourself to me or to Graham or to Jack because it's like I used to do that and I sometimes still find myself doing that. Um, the reality is we all come from completely different backgrounds and you should look at somebody else's success as a testament to the fact that you can do it too. Not they did it, so now I can't do it. It's they did it, so I can definitely do it and maybe bigger than they did. So we should celebrate the success of other people and we should not look to other people with jealousy or envy or comparison because that is going to hold you back so much. Um, and it has in my life. And once I started living life in kind of like this mindset of like, yo, if he's winning, that's a good thing. It's possible. I started becoming way more successful. So that would maybe be another thing I would say. Hmm. And generally speaking, what do you think are some of the biggest problems in the world right now? I think what we feed and educate, what we feed our children mentally and physically is going to become a massive problem. Um, I have a little brother and I have nieces that are like six and, and, and two years old. So I see what it's like growing up as a young kid and today going to a public school. I think that does not scale very well at all. I think we have some crazy bubbling issues with the economy, as I learned from studying my boy Graham right here, that will come with a cost eventually. Um, even when I was with the billionaire, he told me like this next market crash is going to be bad. He's like the some of the stocks that you own 
will not be here when you come back around, you know, like what this, are you owning? No, he was saying like, yeah. this was a general, yeah. this was a general no, statement. Because he, was he bought Peloton or something. Nah. <laughs> like, he literally, he went like this with his hands. He said, Neo. He said, the stocks that you own will be worthless. This man got real serious on me, like talking about it's going to be one of the worst crashes ever. So that scares me. Um, and also, I think the fact that we spend so much time on social media, especially the children, will scale out pretty badly. But what I found is that if you focus on all these external factors, it only holds you down in life. So if you can focus on yourself and being the best version of yourself, that is truly the only way that you can make an impact on the people around you in the world. Um, so you can't consume yourself with the news so much. I agree. I think people are way too distracted nowadays. Like mm -hmm. everything is distracting your phone, billboards, advertisements, this, that YouTube gurus and like TikTok. everything is just distracting people, pulling them away from solitude where they can actually think and work through their own problems. Overstimulation, you know? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's why you delete TikTok. Mm -hmm. yeah. And subscribe yeah. to the Ice Coffee yeah. Hour. So, <laughs> except uh, our TikTok, obviously. Yeah, our yes, TikTok yes. is good. Right, we teach, educate. Only yeah. stay on that one. Now, I think this type of format of content is good for people because it actually makes you use your attention and not sit there and watch a five-second video. You know, you Here's actually have to listen. Our you know? clips drive a lot of traffic to the long yeah. form. Good, very good, yes. So it's the clips that get you in, and then yes. hopefully you watch the whole video. But it's man, a good those, format. Those, those clips, though. Yeah, I've had some yeah. go crazy. I had one get 13 million views. That's like the biggest thing I've ever posted. Jeez. Yeah. I had one on my second channel got 50 million views. Which one, with Mr. Beast? No. Uh-uh. It was a random clip I did on a video that bombed. It was a Judge Vonda B clip on child support. Uh-huh. Josh took it, clipped it up, posted it on TikTok, and I think it got like 7 million views on TikTok. And he's like, do you got to post it on YouTube? And I did. Got 50 million views on YouTube. That's amazing. And it's just a stupid clip on a video that bombed. And I don't know why it did so well. Shorts but are YouTube weird. was just like, hey, we're going to promote this video. I mean, it was interesting. You know why? Because it was so divisive. Uh-huh. The comments like, was probably fighting each other. Yeah. You know what I think it was? Uh, the husband wanted child support from the ex-wife. She was making like 100 grand a year. But because she didn't want to pay child support, she quit her job and got a job at like 7-Eleven. And then claim that I can't pay child support because I'm not making the money anymore. And the you would be like, funny on like yeah. a judge show. If you were to judge, I would watch that show. I would love to judge uh, like <laughs> money and relationships. I yeah. think it'd be so much fun to have like a couple. Here's a money problem. Let's solve it together. You ever thought about doing a series like that on YouTube? Like We like, tried it on the Graham Stephan show. We, oh, we, had, we did. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, we had we people did. call in that had financial issues. And Graham yeah. was like the, the coach between them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there were some wild ones. I like yeah. that format for you. I would watch that. Especially if they yeah. were actually there. That's like, the thing. They were all like over the phone yeah. and you don't quite get the grasp. You gotta get it. the emotions of yeah, like, oh yeah, man, yeah. there was one caller yeah. that I'll never forget. He called me asking if he should break up with his girlfriend because he spends a hundred dollars a month on her. And he's like, I can <laughs> this save This is when Graham money. was promoting like being as frugal yes. as possible. And then his fans were just like, oh my God. Did my you, say, did you say yes? Even, no. Oh, okay. Even I was like, yo, that's extreme. Yeah. I'm like, how often do you see her? He's like, you know, once a month. And I'm like, once a month? There's he's bigger like, problems. Yeah, he's like, well, we're long distance. But when she comes down, I have to spend $100 on it. I'm like, is there anything you could do for free? He's like, yeah, but, you know, we'll spend money on that. I, was, I told him he was a little crazy. It's the average Graham was... Stephan fan. <laughs> they uh, got a penny pinch, man. <laughs> nope, no. But you know what? I also told him that if he's questioning a relationship over $100 a month, yeah. it's probably not going to work out. He should probably just cut it. Yeah, I agree. He should probably not. You know, if that's, if that's a question, 
probably not a good sign. Yeah, I spend money freely on my people. I think that's the craziest thing I spend money on is like when it comes to my family and my girl and my friends, like we go to dinner, I pay for everything. We we go. Let's go to dinner, dude. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, come on, Graham. (laughs) That's perfect. Where do you you want to go, Jack? It's on me, man. Um, unless I leave my wallet in the car, then, yeah, then you might have to get it. See, I leave my wallet at the house all the time. Yeah. Every single time. No, I could, I, I, I could learn a lot from you, though, because I feel like I don't spend like crazy, but I'm definitely not the most frugal guy, you know. But I, I, I'm not like the, the craziest either with money. Like, I got friends in yeah. Miami, they just. They just I blow hear that's money. a Miami thing. I hear Miami is like money. very much different from the rest of the United States. Yeah, it's like. Um, you know, it's like a swinging contest, you know, of everybody yeah. trying to show that they got it. And I stopped playing that game a long time ago because I realized that nobody actually cares. Really? So we had uh, Fresh and Fit on, and they're from Miami, and they explain everything is like the watch, the car, the penthouse, like all those things you got to have in Miami and the clubs. Is yeah, but is the that, real big that, dogs. never been. The real big dogs yeah. don't really respect those guys like that. So they're like appealing to like the, the crowd of flashiness. Yeah. Um, so... It depends on what game you want to play. When I went to the billionaire's house, you think he'd give a shit about what watch I got on or what type of car I drive? No, he respects my character and my integrity and how I move as a man. And that goes for all these people that are really successful in my network. It's only the little boys that make their first couple hundred thousand dollars that actually care about like a penthouse in Miami that, <laughs> that they're renting, you know, and they share it with their homeboy. Like, that's, it's lame to me. Like, after living in L.A. and after living in Miami, I've seen so much of this rented, fake lifestyle that none of it impresses me anymore. Like, the Lamborghini doesn't impress me anymore. The Rolex doesn't impress me anymore. I don't care. Like, what are you building? How are you as a person? And how do you treat the people around you? That, to me, is what is impressive. You know what I'm seeing now? It's getting promoted. Uh, is that old money thing have you seen this oh i've seen dude that. okay so what's no. so funny is that i was i was scrolling i think it was instagram and it's like old money versus new money uh-huh. and it's like shows old money is like you know no logos on shirts and stuff like that understated like the preppy sort of east Are coast style and then it shows the new money of just yeah. like the flashy car and yeah the flashy like the balenciaga Isn't that like crazy and for some reason i'm like how does this get so many millions of views and i just i keep seeing it get recommended then Biahesa made a video talking about how he profited from a trend of right now it's old money. Mm-hmm. Like that's the style and the trend. And like Abercrombie was kind of marketing towards that. So he was like, if if Abercrombie's doing I'm gonna buy calls on Abercrombie, I'm gonna make money. And he did. And that that switched it for me. It's like, oh shit, this is a trend right now. Yeah. And so I think we're going towards that like understated kind of vibe where people aren't flashing things a little more conservative i think we're going towards that right now yeah you can thank uh andrew tay and iman Ghazi for that one for sure they're kind of i feel like leaders of that type of movement you know these mm-hmm. guys are like oh don't wear any logos you got to be fresh and fly you know i think they're i think they're kind of leading that because mm-hmm. i see yeah. I, I see people that just like clone those guys like one of one clones like the way they dress how they oh, act my, yeah absolutely yeah. you know i could see the dressing but not so much like the watches and the cars and the, but you can't clone iman's watch collection that thing is ridiculous yeah but i'm saying but even even andrew tate's watch collection it was usually like a richard mill yeah um or or something of like a he's flashy kind of they're both flashy but in a very tasteful way sure and that's how i like to do it too you know i don't like to be super flexy this is maybe the flashiest thing that i own but yeah. other than that you never see me wearing a shirt with like big brands on or nothing like that i try to keep it clean yeah yeah is there any uh, other questions you have for us anything we can answer for you when you look at my youtube channel now now that i have a million subs you've yeah. probably seen some of my videos i've seen them all damn yeah well thank you how do i double down and take this even further what would you do if you were me right now i 
personally think most YouTube channels have a lifespan of two to seven years, two to five years. I think what you're doing now is on the cutting edge of what is good. But I worry that it's it's hard to cement your name on that long term. Daniel Mack did a really mm -hmm. good job at that with cars. Like really good. And now you could see he's expanding and he's expanded his business a lot. Uh, I'd find a way that you can make this sustainable for just like three years and how you could be the best at it because it'll get really saturated from the sense of a, of a repeatable style that anyone could say, this works, I showcase this, I do a house tour, I do an interview. It, it's this, this formula now that's doing really well. I don't know how long it's gonna do well for. Mm -hmm. I'd probably give it a year, maybe two years. So I think how you could roll with it today to make it as best as you can for the next three to five years. Yeah, we'll keep doing that. I feel like the differentiator is like trying to get the highest caliber of people that I can that other people can't get. Yeah. And the actual production of the video itself. So it actually like stands out as like, oh, wow, like that was it. That's very thing. much the Ennis approach because yeah. we were just with Ennis. Yes. And Ennis has kind of set himself apart as far as the house tours go. Yeah. Because he says he has this very precise attention to detail. He goes, you know, he'll do an extra 30 hours of work for extra 0.01% improvement in the video. I'm the same way. And he says that he thinks that's what sets him apart from all of the other competitors. And the people that you want to attract, like the billionaires or the really, you know, the, the interesting people that you want to highlight on your channel, yeah. those are the types of people that will notice a difference. Yeah, they pay not, attention. You're not doing it for the fans, you're doing it I for think the, it's the I think it's difficult because that doesn't always yield the largest audience yeah. all the time is like that 0.01%. Like some people appreciate that for sure. But sometimes I see the weirdest house tours just take off yeah. because either the person behind the camera is interesting or the, the house is unique. There was a really cool Airbnb. The tour was good, but it was an Airbnb built into the side of a rock that was just so unique. It was filmed well, not in the like the level of you know what what Inez would be doing, but. Oh man, it, but it got like 10 million views mm -hmm. on this. And I'm seeing a lot like Eric Conover is doing, you know, similar videos to Inez, but the last thing yeah. I want to add to this yeah. is that I think the way that I can keep doing this for a long time is making people connected to me. Yes. So it's like it, they, they, they come to the show to see me and who I'm meeting, not always just to see who the new guest I is. Agree. And that is really the challenge. I, as as I, I look at this question you asked me earlier, what is, am I struggling with? That is the challenge for me now. It's like, I know how to get millions of views on YouTube consistently, but now how can I convert these people into like a real diehard fan yeah. base? And I have that because when I did my meetup and I saw the turnout, I was like, damn, but how can I do it even more? Yeah, you know? I think sharing more of your story and more of your opinion I think that'll help. Uh, like the video that got me the most was your story. Mm -hmm. Like that one video where you did the $1 thing at the end, like that one sticks with me. And I think for, for me, the one video that I built a huge audience from, who really cared about me was uh, the video, why I quit my nine to five job. It was like a 30 minute long video. Uh, but people who watch that video all the way through, like they're not gonna forget that story. Yeah, they might get less views in the moment, but you build a stronger connection. Yes. Yeah. So I think interweaving that within your content, I think would help a lot. I will. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So you're making $350,000 a month from your, from your viral, uh, the, what is it, year? Was it called viral vault? Viral yes. vault. Okay. Is that a month? I made 350 last month. Oh yeah. shit. I think okay. But that's from viral vault and from YouTube. Oh, that's everything uh, together. Yeah. Okay. So there's our title. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll also run the title and thumbnail by you. That's fine. If you'd like. Um, so how much are you doing off YouTube now? I think last month it was like 55,000, something like that, 58,000. Um, so it's like 50 to 70 a month in AdSense. And then you did 300,000 with the viral vault. 
last month. Yeah. And I also, it, it was like, yeah, because I have also a Shopify affiliate that mm -hmm. pays me. Um, I have like a partnership with, I, I got a couple different streams of income, but those are the two main ones. And how is your time spread to all of these different revenue drivers? I really just check on my team for Viral Vault and I make sure everything's moving. But the majority of my time on a daily basis is spent on YouTube. So coming up with ideas, working on our new video that we're filming or editing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm a YouTuber. Right. You know, like I'm a business guy, but like, if you ask me what I do every single day, YouTube. I'm really working on my YouTube channel. See, I would say like, oh, you got to focus more on Viral Vault because it's the real revenue driver of, yeah. of all, you know your entire production. But at the same time, YouTube is kind of funneling into Viral yeah, Vault, so it, it makes it sense that you would focus on YouTube, even though the actual like number avenue red or the ad revenue is not going to be like super significant relative to Viral Vault. Yeah, when YouTube grows, everything else grows. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the the uh, pulse, mm -hmm. you know. I agree with that. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming all the way to Vegas and doing this. The one thing that would mean the world to me, though, I just have to ask. Okay. If you smash the like button for the YouTube algorithm, it helps out substantially. Subscribe it really does as well, make please. A it makes a huge difference. I've tested now across various videos where I really talk about just hitting the like button. It does actually make a difference in the number of views a video gets. Just hit the like button. That's it. And subscribe. And on top of that, all of Jordan's information will be linked down below. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Appreciate it. It really means a lot. And until next time. See ya. Yeah, thank you guys. Uh, if you press the stop. I got it. I got it. Uh, uh, okay. Okay.